You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I love having conversations with people getting into the journey of their lives. We don't just talk about their most recent big shiny thing. We don't go by talking points. In fact, when people pitch me guests based on talking points, I do not book them. (laughs) I like talking to people about their life journey, and we do usually always get to those shiny bits. On today's episode, I had so much fun. Seriously, I had so much fun talking to Deborah Silverman. She is an astrologist, is what she's most known as. Um, And yeah, we get to know how did that happen? How has her career been as doing astrology? Um, And yeah, a super interesting story. I think you are going to love her. Um, Interesting that before we talked, she requested my, you know, the things that people astrologers ask for before you do a reading. So it was like my place of birth, date, I don't know. I feel like there's something different. Anyway, so she like wanted to know like what she was dealing with astrologistically. Obviously, I don't know these terms very well before we talked. So that was interesting. Uh, Before I say let's get into the episode, if you could please, if you haven't yet, hit subscribe on the podcast and leave a review. Reviews really help podcasts to become more discoverable. So leave a review. And if you do, you can screenshot it and email it to me at podcast at yourdryologist.com. You could send me a DM at Claim It Podcast also, and I will send you a free gift from my product line as a thank you. All right, here we go with Deborah. Okay. Hi, Deborah. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, as I just said before I hit record, I I'm always genuinely intrigued by astrology, but I'm not someone that's like fully into it. Like, I don't know everybody's, you know, if you tell me your birthday, I don't know what sign you are unless you happen to be that, or I don't know my rising this and whatever, but I am Aquarius. And so I'm like, I know those things. You're a devil Aquarius. You should know this. Ding, 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 ding. I know yes. Aquarius. You're, you're double Aquarius, your sun and your rising. So you, uh, we will definitely speak to that because that's very unusual. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So we're going to get into your journey, but yeah, it will be cool. Cause she did, she, asked for um, all the things that astrologists asked for to do a reading before before we did this. So it's like what your birth time, birthplace. Birthday. And birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so she knows that. So we'll see how that comes in. But first, I want to know about you. I like starting with knowing how people grew up, what life was like for you growing up, and especially the teenage years, because I feel like those can be years where we can either be trying to like figure out what we're going to do with the rest of our lives. We might have that pressure from parents or external people or um, yeah, just trying to like figure it out in some ways. So I grew up in Detroit in a little suburb. It was a hundred percent Jewish. There was only synagogues on all the corners. It's such a funny memory. Um, We did not know what Christmas was. Literally my first Christmas was at university when I left home and I was like, wow, like what's with all the presents? Cause my dad's birthday was Christmas Eve. So I had never, it was shocking to me. And it was like, you buy presents for people you don't know. <laughs> it was always so funny. Like, how come there's so many boxes anyways? So I grew up in a very strong community. It, we still know each other. The kids I grew up with, it was um, by teenage years, 
I had already stood out as being the goody goody. I hate telling the story. I mean, everybody was doing drugs. I grew up at that point. I'm much older than I look. I'm, I'm in mid 60s. So at that point, drugs were being introduced and I did explore. But as soon as I started using them, I saw past lives and I saw through people's bodies and I scared everybody. So they wouldn't want to hang out with me. It was either I was doing crazy <laughs> woo shit or I, and then I couldn't stop laughing and I was embarrassing them. And so I, I kind of lost my friends during teenage years and had a really strong experience of being banished. It did all come back in high school, but in that middle years, I was like, and I didn't not do drugs because I was trying to be a goody goody. I did them because I scared the shit I mean, I, I couldn't, I wanted to do them, but I was not good. So that was the, that's fine. So wait, so you grew up in a super Jewish community, not knowing about Christmas. So I'm guessing you like, didn't like Camille, I'm like, his Christmas decorations are everywhere. So like you were just like, so immersed in that community. You really didn't go like shopping, but even like going out to like shopping and stuff that was all like within your Jewish community, like the grocery store and stuff. Yeah, we did not do that. My my dad's birthday was Christmas Eve and we did not celebrate Christmas at all. And then one street across from me, three doors down, they did celebrate Christmas and we'd go up to their window and go, wow, that was we had no Christmas. Um, no, it was 100 percent Jewish, the area I grew up in. I mean, that's not true. I'm sure right. it was 90 percent. That's more accurate. But yes, I did not have the same programming because my dad's birthday. So we would go to Florida and we would go to Wolfie's, this restaurant where they had chocolate cake that was 18 layers tall. And that was my memory of Christmas. Like, how weird is that? And um, just didn't play in the same game until I came out of the bubble and realized, whoa, baby, I was missing a whole holiday. And so then your high school experience, again, is that is your high school then prime like primarily Jewish Oh, yeah. Then there was a bust in from Detroit. There was a big bunch of um, black people. They bust in and it was just the Jews and the blacks. And they went with a great basketball team. And I was a cheerleader. <laughs> That's funny. And then um, this is the weirdest part of the story. By the time I reached 16, I had my first spiritual experience at the dentist. At the dentist. OK, we're going to need to hear about this with nitrous oxide. This is so weird. I had nitrous oxide on. I was breathing in this altered substance and I suddenly left my body, left my ego. I was so unbelievably transcended that when I came down, I had tears running down my face and the dentist was doing a cleaning or whatever. He was doing the, you know, filling in the blanks, filling in the fillings. And he said, did I hurt you? And I was like, don't you know that everything's nothing and nothing is everything? This place is not what you think it is. I don't even know where I went, but it wasn't, I couldn't find Deborah anywhere. It was like a very extreme state of an experience. I couldn't sleep for the next few nights. And that was my first, you're asking the best questions. I, I woke up inside that dream and no one understood. And I got kicked off the cheerleading squad because I was, I became this existential deep thinker. They nicknamed me Debbie Deep. It's not funny. It wasn't this easy. Is true. No, I laugh at everything. And I re like even my daughter, who my six-year-old, almost six-year-old daughter, she will, she will, she takes my laughter personally. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Z. I'm like, that's my natural reaction to things. And I like, it's not like to make fun. But yeah, I don't know. It is. I'm, I don't know. I, my laughter comes naturally from all sorts of I emotions. Agree. No, it is funny. It was very funny. Come on. No, what it is 16 funny, year but old at the same time, I get that. Yeah. Where especially your 16 year old, you're having that and you've just had this total like shift. And then, yeah, at 16, again, you're no trying to like most likely like, fit in and be like, even when you want to stand out, you're doing it so that people like you and fit in. Like, it's like, you know, this weird dichotomy. So yeah, so you had this experience and then you all of a sudden, you didn't just sit, wake up from that moment and say that thing. You are sh changed. 
yes. where you suddenly yes. cannot like see beyond what just exists. Yes. Is that it? Like it. the pettiness of most high schoolness. Yes. And that set the stage for my entire life of being in an altar. It's <laughs> so funny, like seeing the perspective, I call it the observer. All of my life's work is turning people onto that posture, that position where you're outside of the story of your ego. You're looking at it from a distance. This is what an astrologer does. You step away from the, you know, the ego version and you step up to a higher version or viewpoint. And then you look back at yourself and you go, oh my God, I'm so fill in the blanks. And that's what astrology essentially is, is the gift of standing apart as though you were looking through the eyes of love rather than the internal myopic version of, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I'm so confusing it. So it's really liberated me at that sweet age. And I think it made me stand apart from that. But no, just saying it right now, I'm realizing, God, that was a really difficult but magical moment. It happened over, it happened at 15, it happened at 16 at the same dentist. And lucky for me, he was spiritual enough that he turned me on ready to the Michigan Metaphysical Bookstore. He said, Deborah, you have to go drive there and tell them what you just told me. Wow. And I got on and I said, everything is nothing. It's not this reality. What we think isn't even true. My name is Deborah, but I don't think I'm Deborah. I don't even know who I am. I've completely. <laughs> Oh my God. You could see how popular that would be for a 17 year old, 16 year old be talking like that. I knew to stop. I figured out the cheerleading thing. I got kicked off the squad. They were like, you're too heavy. The Debbie deep. I realized this wasn't quite over at all. And that was the entrance of my fascination with psychology and spirituality and astrology. And it never, ever stops. So, yeah. So you get, Luckily, like you said, the dentist directed you somewhere like amazing that he even knew that bookstore existed because I assume most dentists don't know about where like a I didn't spiritual, know what metaphysical, metaphysical you know, like bookstore is. So he was like, go here. And did you, you walked in and said that and were they like, here is your introductory book or like, check out this section. Like, welcome, Deborah. We've been waiting for you. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. Yes, they did hand me a book. It was called Three Magic Words by U.S. Anderson. And I couldn't understand a word of it because it was all metaphysical. So I just cut to the back of the book and it said the three magic words were you are God. And I was completely lost. I was like, I don't know what this book's about, but that's not what the dentist's office was for. So it didn't really work. But and it entered me into the seeker. I was a seeker from a very young age, asking very big questions and getting called Debbie Deep. So yeah, in that getting kicked off the cheerleading squad and Debbie Deep, did you, did you, were you able to then like form any new relationships? Did any of those friends stick with you or were you sort of like in a newly isolated place? Those people, you know, I'm still friends with those people and they all know me as being the astrologer because it came to me so young. I found astrology when I was like a teenager. So it didn't separate me any more than I already was because I was the kid that couldn't get high. Like I already was. The right. But, and I've sustained all those friendships and it did put it um, pretty much a stamp on my karma, which was this girl will often feel alienated. <laughs> That was kind of like the imprint that's followed me around throughout my life. And although even with astrologers and psychologists and psychotherapists, I don't fit in because there's very now I was always ahead of my time. There's very few astrologers who are trained as psychotherapists or as psychologists. They just don't go together. It did back in the day. Carl Jung, the original psychiatrist, was an astrologer. And he was quoted to say, psychology will be a dinosaur science without astrology. So it was in the imprint, in the unconscious, everyone that knew Jung knew he was an astrologer, but throughout my whole practice and my career as a 
going to graduate school, I was always, again, slightly alienated, a little different, asking really hard questions. And, you know, I don't know that anyone goes through this life easily. I think we all enter into this age group you're asking about with real anxious. In astrology, it's called Saturn cycles. They happen at 14 and 21 is where you really get smacked. And um, mine was specific. It, I was one of those people you described earlier. I knew I was going to be a psychologist, a therapist. I knew that when I was 16. I knew I'd become an astrologer as soon as I learned the word. And I never looked back. I never mixed my career. I never did anything different. I just started and continued. And part of my success, I would say, is just that consistency. Like I've been doing the same thing every day for 1,025 years. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, and I, I believe you. Um, so when, when did weird. astrology then come in? Did you end up like going back to that bookstore and finding a book? Like where did you find out about astrology? Oh yeah. That bookstore became one of my favorite places to go to the Michigan Metaphysical Bookstore. It found me at a very young age. By the time that when I was a teenager, by the time I was 20, a woman who I just found after 45 years, just last two months ago, she came into a triple Gemini, was at university with me, was an astrologer. She turned me on like a radio, taught me a little bit. I took the ball and ran. And now she's taking my school. She's actually in the class this term. She went, she, it's like so funny because I designed a school, an online school to teach people really simply, how do you learn astrology? And um, it only happens twice a year. It will happen again in January. But I've had this um, crazy success story of watching people like you who kind of were kind of sort of interested, but they don't know that they're double Aquarius. And then they take the class and they're like, oh, my, like we get these raving reviews like this changed my life. I finally understand myself. I understand my kids. And it's just and that's what I did. I created a school, but it started off with a very young, very interested, single eyed little girl who was awfully deep. <laughs> and so, okay, so, so then, so that was in university that you found astrology. I found it in high, in school, high school, but I found my teacher when I was Got my first it. teacher. Was 20. So like, and then I was practicing by the time I was 21, I was practicing. So you learned about astrology, like found an astrology book or something in high school and right away were like, okay, this is for me too. But then, so you also mentioned, yeah, it's university. So you in psychotherapy. So was that you then at that time too, once you get into this Debbie deep and all of that, then it's sort of like, okay, when I'm going to go to college and I'm going to become a psychotherapist. Exactly. Never wondered. And did you stay like local or did then, you? Then here's what's going to make you laugh. Then the first stop out of high out of university at graduate, I have a master's in clinical psychology. The first stop was I got a job at the LA Mental Health Association working with mental patients. Really? And then I spent the next seven years working in backwards of hospitals with people that were severely mentally hand challenged. And I loved the work and realized that the unconscious mind, which was really my fascination, had this trap door that was really possibly potentially unbelievably unruly and that I became so comfortable with people's madness or confusion or different points of view that I found out where my center was. It's funny to say that, but in the face of all that contrast and all that loose energy, I became found out how stable I was. Is that funny? That makes complete sense to me, but I can also see where, yeah, it sounds like no, when you're around all that, then it would, it would make be you feel ungrounded and yeah, like confused. Yeah, but it didn't. Right. Interesting. Um, so, okay. So yeah, so you go to school and you end up going, so masters, so that's like how many years of school? 
college. So, so you go to university for your BA for four years, and then you go two and a half years more for a graduate degree. Got it. And were you going to school in LA or how did you end up in LA? Yeah, I was in LA. So I did my master's in clinical psych at Antioch in LA, and I got totally fascinated with chronic mental patients. I, I was completely captured by this topic. And then I reached a certain point spiritually. I found, I can't believe you're getting this out of me. I ended up in a cult. When you moved. So, and also what brought you to LA? Was it that school? I went to graduate school in LA. You just like I went wanted to, to go to that school. graduate school. And so yes. in you're in LA in the graduate school being fascinated by mental illness. All things to do with psychology and understanding mental illness and working behind the scenes. And then at the end of my graduate school, I end up finding a spiritual group. It's not fair to call them a cult, but they were a cult. And I spent three years learning the bottom note of all my work. I wrote a book called The Missing Element. And the, the subtitle is Compassion for the Human Condition. That's the missing element. But the book is all about the four elements. And during as soon as I left college, I university, I ended up um, in the spiritual group that taught the four elements. And that's the basis of all my material. Wow. And so that spiritual group and the four elements, is that something that goes beyond that spiritual group? Like, is the four elements something that is like universally known or was that spiritual group like that was their thing, these four elements? Oh, that's so interesting. I, it's, I always, no one knows about it. The four elements is the basis of all astrology. Oh, Water, air, fire. Right, like every, right. Okay, got it. Everything in this world from the American Indians, the four directions to the Hawaiians, the four elements to the four noble truths of the Buddhist to the four worlds of the Jew. Like this is the most ancient to the, in the tarot deck, the very first card is the magician, number one. And he has four elements sitting on his desk. Like that is the essence of what this planet's about. So <laughs> I used the four elements, but I used it psychologically. And so my book is all about figuring out you have a personality type, raise your hand. If you have an ego, Oh, look, everyone's raising their hand. Everyone has an ego. It comes to the particular personality type. You figure it out. Once again, back to my teenage years, you turn the observer on, you figure out your funny personality. And there's one part of you that's so irritating and you figure that out and you heal it or you upstand upscale it. And that's part of the elements. You figure out which of the four elements is my, the missing one. So in that spiritual group that was based on the four elements then, so it, it was astrology based. Yes. They, no, no, no. That's so interesting. Yes. Right. they. Taught, <laughs> well, no, this is so interesting. They taught the four elements without it being about astrology, because in the Bible, in the, it was a biblical, the whole, that cult was such a compilation of different cultures, but it was somewhat Christian. And the very first chapter in the Bible goes, there was darkness in the face of the deep. There was no form. It was void. That's water. Then God said, let there be air. Then he said, let there be firmament. And then he said, let there be stars. So it was water, air, earth, and fire, right? And that's how they taught it. They taught the four elements in a biblical way. What they didn't know, which I knew, is it's the basis of everything. And astrology is built on the four elements. So I've been, I've internalized that system, the four elements in everything I do. I'm a little obsessed with it. It's never left me. It's 45 years later. You think I get bored, but I don't because it is the quintessential essence of creation. And I have learned the skill of how to use my um, model of that philosophy into a school, into classes. I just teach the four elements all day. And I'm going to get back into your book with the missing element, which missing element. I love. Uh, 
I think you said what the subtitle is, or I don't know if that is the, the missing element. Yeah. The, the compassion for like, cause compassion that's, for human- that's like what I live and breathe and share as well too, is like the basic of like, you know, being able to move through that world, like having more compassion for people. And it doesn't mean like, Oh, they're right. And you can forgive them and everything's okay. But like just having compassion that you don't know their backs or you don't know you can, and you can be in the same, you can go through the exact same experience with someone at the same time, but you're going to have a different experience. Right. Based on. So having compassion. So I'm very excited. to. So we'll get into your book later, but I also I need to learn more about. So the spiritual group you end up in. What does that then look like? Because then you're now framing as a cult, which I now I know once cult again, gets thrown away around the term cult gets thrown around a lot lately. Um, more so, I feel like. But yeah, like what did that be involved with that look like? And when did you be like, OK, maybe I don't need to be a part of this. Like what made you leave <laughs> That same pattern that happened in my teenage years happened again. I got banished. You got banished um, from the cult. It, it, it's one of my themes in this life. People get mad. I started telling the truth in the group. You don't do that when you're in a group. And it wasn't that I ban- I banished myself, but that group really, I, I, I always look behind me and say, say, thank you and ask myself, what was I supposed to be learning? And I don't believe that things happen randomly that are that big. Like your first husband, your first boyfriend, your stupid brother, all of that was destined. So I reached a certain point, my awareness came on and I was like, what am I doing in this group for God's sake? And by the way, I started saying things I shouldn't say. So I got a little bit of kickback and then I moved out from that and moved. I'd spent 20 years living in Canada and Vancouver and became a very successful astrologer on a radio show. Okay. So it was more like you were sort of speaking up and not like questioning the things that were being said or taught or, Oh, I was questioning that. And yeah, they don't want questions. Like they're just like, no, 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 no. Well, this is... (laughs) And I'm not good at that. Yes, neither are you. Devil Aquarius, I cannot follow without raising my hand. Excuse me. Same. Um, okay, so then you have your masters, and and at the same time, were you part of this group while you're in the masters or after? And like, what else were you doing? Oh, that's right. You were working at the mental. I had just hospital. finished my degree. I had just finished my degree when I found the spiritual group and dived right in and went and lived in a commune. And oh my God, my parents were like, we paid for all that school. Oy, now you're living with who doing? Oh my God, come home. Was that your whole life or were you like working outside of it too? Or were you like, no, I went into that cult. <laughs> so you were like three years on the commune there. Got it. Then. So yeah. So from there, then you're like, how do you end up in Vancouver? Like, all right, finally, I'm I- it was because the group was in Canada and I ended up coming out and being in Vancouver and I spent I really loved living in Vancouver and destiny had her way with me. She definitely knew, gave me that radio show at a very young age. I was coming into my Saturn return. I was like 28, got on the radio and people couldn't see how young I was. And I had a lot of wisdom because I'd been studying, you know, I've always had this Debbie deep thing. So I really stood out as an astrologer and I was very successful in very quick order on that radio show. And then, but how did you get on a radio show? It was completely random. You're asking the best questions. It was so random. I got on a radio show by complete mistake. The very first show, I didn't know this unbeknownst to me. The producer was listening. It was the biggest talk show radio in Vancouver at five o'clock when everyone's driving home. And I just, I, I just have this gift. Like I can look at a chart and I just, I'm like called machine gun astrology. Like da, 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 da. So I did it on the radio and the guy, as soon as the show was over, called me and said, would you ever consider doing this on a regular time? And I did. So like, did you call into a show? Like, how are you like? 
People were calling in the radio. I had an ephemeris in front of me. I'd look up their birth date. Like I would look at you and the first thing I'd say to you is, oh my God, you can't follow rules for God's sake. If anyone tells you what to do, you do the opposite. And then they start to laugh on the phone and they're like, how did you know? And the next thing I know, they're calling me for readings because every phone call that came in, I would just nail them. Got it. But like, how did you become a, like invited as a guest that one day? Or- oh, because I was a well-known at that moment. I've always had a successful practice. As soon as I, you know, entered into astrology, people, I was working with a lot of people and someone asked me as a quirk to get on this radio. Who knew? I had no idea that would be a turning point. Got it. And when, so when you're on the commune, are you like giving readings to the people there too? Like, was it? I did. I did. I drove them all. Even you're in a commune, people like know you. I cannot stop doing astrology. I have a disease. (laughs) I don't think it's a disease. It's probably more like a gift. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's reframe that. (laughs) Trisha here bringing you a brief interruption. Super excited because my best selling insulated tumblers in my shop are back. While they're on the way, you can pre-order now. I don't carry these year round. Um, And each time they come in, there's a limited amount and in different colors. This time, there's some new colors that I've never had before in the tumbler. So I'm super excited about that. There's a few different phrases to choose from. These are great because they are double insulated stainless steel. They come from the brand actually Simple Modern, which people are always talking about like these adult sippy cups that they love. It's this brand, but I get mine laser engraved specifically with my own phrases to sell to you. So they come with two different types of lids. One is a flip top lid. That's great for drinking hot beverages and it can keep your hot beverages hot, I think for like 18 hours. Amazing. And then also there is two a two straws that come with a straw lid. So I mostly use these for drinking water, juice, smoothies. So I mostly use mine for cold drinks, but people who like to have a hot tea and hot coffee and not just a small one really love these also for hot drinks. So go check them out before they sell out. They make great gifts. Can you believe that the holiday gift season is coming up? But you don't need a reason. You don't need a holiday to send a gift. Go check those out at shop.yourdryologist.com. Pick yourself up a journal and an own your awesome affirmation deck, maybe a magnet or keychain while you're at it. All right, let's get back to the episode. Oh, by the way, they also do fit in cup holders. You got to have that. You got to have that easy. Take it with you anywhere. So, okay. So you leave and then, yeah, you've been practicing it that whole time. And then, yeah, so you're just doing it. And then someone's like, oh, come on the show. You do it once. And then they're like, would you have a show? So then you start regularly doing an astrology show on like a main radio station. And then I have eight clients a day. I have no assistant. I'm sitting in a room. It just blew up because of... Yes. And because of that young childhood story, I never drank. I never got high. I was like this boring, straight workaholic. So for like three years, I literally had the truck driver's wife come and get a reading. I didn't know she didn't know anything about. They just all trusted me because I established my credibility on that radio show. And obviously I have the gift of the gab. So people were like standing in line. And the next thing I knew, I was this famous astrologer in Vancouver. I didn't mean to be. And so then too, at that time, you're primarily doing astrology, even though you have the psycho masters in psychotherapy, like, was that something too that? Yeah. Like once. Well, no, I never see. That's what I was saying earlier. Carl Jung never did a session without a chart in front of him. 
They are one and the same. If your ass woman comes to see you with a problem and they're confused about something and you can look at their chart and go, oh, my God, the moment you're in right now is Saturn return. This marriage isn't going to work because you're in a major turn. How do you know? Well, the astrologer and then you go rely on the therapeutic skill. And now, you know, you just help that person make it through that thin wall. Like, oh, I can now see my light. So, right. So you were providing those services for the people, but it, it wasn't like you set up a just a, like, oh, I'm working right. as a, you know, primarily psychotherapist. Like your focus ended up being more through astrology, but because of your background, you like were able to give a fuller, exactly. not just reading, and that's but what like I teach. support. It's, and all the people that study with me learn that astrology is as much about asking good questions and really going deep as it is about giving information. So everything I teach is the marriage of astrology and psychology. Very cool. Okay. So you became a famous astrologist in Vancouver, overwhelmed, like nonstop working. Yeah. I just was a very workaholic, very successful. Yes. So how did you, yeah, you're saying workaholic and that like, and then you, I burnt out. Cause then I, I burnt say, out. Did you get to a phase where you're like, I cannot yeah, keep this was, going, even oh though I'm God. doing the thing that I love and I'm gifted at, like yeah. you burn out. I was, 30, I was 30 years old. Like anyone that, at 28 to 30, we all break. And I literally went into a depression because I had I didn't understand boundaries and I didn't understand psychic energies. I didn't know how to protect myself. And I'd been working three years, eight hours a day without any support. And <laughs> and then I one day I literally it's the funniest story. This was the very last session I was about to do. And I couldn't do it. I was staying at a friend's house because I was about to leave for Hawaii the next day. And I literally hid under the bed of the child's room. When the client knocked on the door, I didn't answer it. They opened the door. They came in, they, Deborah, Deborah, De and they saw me. And I was like, I was so burnt out. I could not even talk. I realized then that I had to like, okay, we are not doing any more. That's an embarrassing story, but I had burnt out to a crisp. I understand that. Well, hides under a bed. I don't know, but one time I wasn't under the bed. I was on the side where I thought, I don't know why was I hiding? My best burnout story is, uh, I was sober. Like, so I recreated, I, I was first a live sound engineer touring with artists. And then after my father passed away, suddenly I had this like wake up of like, I need people need to wake up and live everything so hard. So because I knew musicians and I went back on tour and they named me a joyologist. And so I toured with artists, keeping them grounded and inspired and healthy on the road. And it was an amazing job. But yes, like I also like I was living my dream, but also doing too much. And the end of like a tour cycle was ending. So I needed to finish it. But I was so like burnt out of doing something that I loved that I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give I gave up away all my belongings. I was like, I'm gonna go to India for six months and maybe longer. I'm just gonna go on this adventure. And I like the day before I was about to leave, somebody was like, what are you so excited to do in India? And I was like, not be around anybody I know. <laughs> and I like went to India for two weeks and then realized like, I'm just running away. I don't even like, I wanted to be in India because it was beautiful. And I was like, really? I just like wanted, like, I just was, couldn't say no to people. I did, was afraid to just like rest and take care of myself then to like, you know, like, so whatever. Funny. So I like ran away, gave up everything and ended up being in India for like two weeks and then just like moved back. I'm like, oh, that's how I learned to like have boundaries and tell people <laughs> like, sorry, I'm not going to come to your show because I just, I have plans with myself. Like, so I... I gave away, gave away like everything and fled the country. <laughs> that is so burnout. We just break and then we do the silliest things. And that's so what you happened to hid me. In a room, I moved across the world. I was like, you'll never see me again. I'm going. It's so that cute. Felt easier than to just say, I need some time. <laughs> we just didn't know how to do it. <laughs> Okay. So what happened then? Then you're about to go to Hawaii. Was that like supposed to be a vacation or, or 
That was a turning point. That was my first, I live in Hawaii now most of the time. That was my first time going to Hawaii. I had a very profound spiritual experience um, on a journey under the influence without using any names. I directly was told that I was here for a reason and that it was to use my gift of astrology to teach people. And they showed me, you know, I never tell anyone the story. You're kind of good at this. Um, But the short answer was I got a download, make it simple is what I usually say. And given direction and instruction at the sweet age of 29. And I proceeded to do exactly as I was told. And here I am 30 years, 34, five years later, and everything they told me came true. And I am doing what they tell me to do. So that message was more about not just giving people astrology readings, but teaching people about astrology. Is that what it was? Yes. Designing a model, which is what I did, so people could learn the skill that I had, so they could go ahead and make money, become astrologers and create an entire life for themselves. And I did that. And so did you, so that was how long ago? 35 years ago. Wow. Okay. And so then from that, did you go right away and run with that? Did you end up? Yeah. At that point, do you still oh, yeah, have? I never, I, yes, I never get distracted. It's a weird quality I have. My Mercury's in Taurus. I, I have this gift of nose to the grindstone workaholic. You have some of this in your chart, by the way, nose to the grindstone workaholic. And, um, the crazy part about my character is I just get off on everything. I mean, I love to work. And hopefully, though, after the hiding under the bed incident, you've <laughs> given yourself some, <laughs> some I love to work and I need to, <laughs> to make sure I'm not Thank hiding. Yeah, I definitely learned. I learned. I definitely got the lesson in that moment. And it, I have continued to do self-care in the extreme states. So I will never have a burnout experience. I know exactly when it happened once, like about. Six months ago, I turned to my assistant. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the first time in years. I don't like what we're, I am having a burnout moment. And we just changed everything. I know what to do now. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, that is the gift of a burnout. Because, yeah, same thing. Like you said, I can have some. I wouldn't describe myself as a workaholic. But, yeah, like I am able someone that is able to make like I commit to what I want to do. And so, yeah, like keep doing. But I'm able to allow myself ease and space. And okay, like yesterday, I was like burnout after a busy weekend. And I was like, I really feel like I want to rest, but it's Monday and I have so much to do. And I have this deadline and whatever. And like, how can I make space for ease and rest and get things done and like create a balance for myself? Whereas, yeah, I think if I had never had that burnout experience and other people, it's just like, okay, well, I'll just get all this done. And then I can rest, you know, when the day is over or something like the putting off, like we're so used to putting off the rest and the nurturing ourselves. But I'm like, how can I do this, create some of that now and get this done? Or really will it be the end of the world if I don't do that today? <laughs> um, so too, when you went to Hawaii, was that like the end of the, were the, was the radio show done at that point? Like when you went on that trip, did you end up then staying in Hawaii? Was that just a sort of like recalibrating moment or yeah, like what happened there? I have a vivid memory of when the radio show did change hands and the company no longer existed and the phone call came in. I remember thinking, oh, here goes my career. And that was my entrance of me realizing, because I use it as a reference, the one door shuts another opens and it continued. So that point I went to Hawaii. That was a brief holiday, came back to Vancouver and continued my career. And basically for a long, 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 long time taught 
And part of the school that I have online was a direct correlation. It's you can see the reference to I taught for so many years, so many years, so many years, everywhere I could until I crystallized and distilled how to teach astrology now online in a very simple way, but it's live. I don't teach those classes where you just watch them. It's all you using your chart to jump off of. So it's very personal. It's very psychological. It's like you get given back to yourself in ways that you can't believe. And it's all because of those 20 million trillion classes I taught that I broke the code of what's the formula to teach this stuff so that people's lives change. And then if they want to be an astrologer, they can continue studying. But the first level is just a personal entrance into the observer, looking at the elements, looking at your personality type and going, oh, now I get why I was banished when I was a kid. That was my karma. This is one of my biggest life lessons was being separate and not making that wrong. So it's taken me till now where I go, of course, I'm always the one sitting out watching like that's what happens when you have nitrous oxide at 16 years old and you flip out of your body. You're, like you're watching from a, like you're on another planet. Well, that didn't go away. And now rather than feeling separate or lonely or different or unacceptable, I say, Oh, I love my fate. That was my assignment. And that window of time, those 20 years in Vancouver of teaching, I really learned how much people are uniquely themselves. And I mean, you're such a good example double Aquarius cannot fit in to the box. And that's why they love astrology because it gives you permission to not try. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, like I said, I, I'm intrigued by astrology, but I'm not like fully like know all the things, but I had my first reading with an astrologist. I don't know. I want to say I'm 40 now and I probably had it when I was 25 or something, but I haven't had them regularly. And I had an astrologist that, that yeah, like, was through a friend and so talked to her a few times for, for, years, for a few years and then she passed away um, and then, you know, like tried someone else and I didn't really vibe with that energy. So I just sort of also stopped seeking. But for me, having those readings and then because of just even having a couple of readings, like it did, it gave me so much better greater understanding of myself, compassion, like let myself off the hook about things. So yeah, we do. We make ourselves wrong for things. And um, yeah, like even now when I, I mean, I, of course, will like read a horoscope that I see of, oh, blah, 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 but I don't like take everything like, so, you know, so this, but it's, it does it even like these things where we can be so hard on ourselves, like, oh, I'm having like an off day. What's wrong with me that because of like astrology and moon cycles and all that said, even though I don't know a ton about it, it makes me be like, well, who knows? Maybe it's just the cycle. You know, it's like, even if I don't know what's going on, like, of course we can like Mercury retrograde. It's so like everyone because of social media, I now knows, oh, it's Mercury retrograde. And it's like a funny thing to like blame Mercury retrograde. But again, it, it kind of makes you be less serious about stuff. Like, oh, you have a tech glitch instead of being, oh no, I messed up. And what are they thinking? Oh, like, like the series is like, oh, sorry, I guess, who knows? I guess it's, I guess it's the universe. Like for me, it's just, it's, it's a way to call yeah, compassion yeah, and compassion kindness. and like not take everything so seriously, like taking life seriously, but not, yeah. Like we put too much meaning on things and are looking for things or, oh, I, what's wrong with me? Because I feel this way today or <laughs> that. You know, it's so true. It's been so liberating in learning my own system relative to my personality to be able to say, Deb, I get you. Like as, as though I were my own mom, that's what I teach. How do we self-soothe? How do we heal ourselves? How do we give ourselves permission to be these quirky machines that are so individualistic and so unbelievably variant? Like there's so many versions of us and there's no one that's right or wrong, except that we have preferences. And so we should, 
Like, I love you already. Double Aquarius, we could have a party together. Blah, 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 blah. Talk, 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 laugh, laugh, laugh. So funny. Oh my God. That If I'm with someone who's witty and funny and playful, I'm like, stick to them, like sit next to me. And then the people that are grounded and doing the dishes and going to Costco to get the spray to wash the window, I'm like, wow, you guys go in the car together. I love, love that. that little clip. I want to get back to when you started this like school. And so these days we have the amazing technology to be able to do the online courses and reach people. So technology in many ways can make it feel like it's easier to like start something. If somebody is like, oh, I want to teach something. I want to share this gift. Like, let me put it out there. But of course not because it's still our own fears and doubts. And what if nobody likes what I have to say? Nobody bites it that stop us. But so back then when you're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, start teaching astrology this way. How did you start going about it? Was it like just going to people that were coming to you for readings already and saying that? And like, yeah. And you said you're going anywhere. Like, did you like, how did you start like creating these courses? I was such a astrological slut. Like I would just do it with go anywhere, give it to anyone, teach. I was just obsessed. But a better question is in the name of the school, because I'm so proud of our school. How did that come to be that I could concisely put into an online technology? Because that is not easy. A system where people could be guaranteed that they take this class and their lives change. So yes, when I was younger, I literally, every bookstore, every friend that had a group of friends, I was like the, God, I was so, um, ambitious. That's the word. I was so ambitious to share astrology. And then it reached a certain point. I, when I reached 60, I was like, I'm getting a little bit frustrated repeating myself. Like how many times can you tell them the mercury rules yourself? So that's when I put it into the system. And I met, this is very funny. I met a woman called destiny, destiny Berman, who teaches online programmings. And every Monday morning I had a meeting with destiny and we designed how to go online. I created the curriculum. I created the product. She showed me how to market and off we went. And that is a really spiritually, like if I had to overlay my whole life, I would say the ability to listen to spirit when it talks to you, when there's a direction given through a dream, through an impulse, through a thought that reoccurs, through someone talking to you as a coach, taking the ball and running has been my gift. I do not pass the ball. I'm like, I got this and dun, 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 dun. And that has created success. So at the point where I reached 60 and I wanted to create the school, I had had so many years of watching what happened in those rooms when I taught and when the lights went on and when people would go, oh my God. So I made a school with just the classes that pop people's heads open. And so it's only six weeks and people each, you, it's like a magical psychological entrance into the part of yourself that is in love with you. And you probably left it behind most of it to your point, like poor me, something's wrong with the tech. It must be me. I'm a mistake. I can't figure me out. And then you get the system called astrology. You're like, Oh my God, I'm simply being myself. And then there's suddenly this people get more energy. They lose weight. They find themselves dating again. It's like, I give people back to life. I love that. I, um, so also when my father passed away and I had that like changing of life, I decided to give up the word should. And it was, I didn't think I was someone who lived a life of should. I don't, as, as, as probably as a double Aquarian, like <laughs> then whatever, like I did life my way and I did things. But when I actually chose to eliminate the word should, I saw how much like, yeah, we are like in my head and doubting myself and this in these small ways every day that are really big ways. And so I changed the word out should for want 
And like that one change showed me so much. I have a book coming out next year that is all about that. It's called F the shoulds, do the wants, get clear on who you are, what you want and why you want it. And it's all these insights that just eliminating this one word, you know, showed me from switching should to want. And so, yeah, when you were saying like, you know, I, yeah, I like totally felt when you're saying what astrology and what you're giving to people in this course must be because it is, it's a lot of shedding the shoulds. And so that you can own who you are and see, wait, who am I under this? Because we're so programmed and we, most of it is unconscious of following, Oh, what should I do today? What should I wear? What should blah, blah, blah. I should look this way? I should take this choice. I should do this. What do people want and expect from me? And rarely thinking of what do I want? What brings That's so powerful. Wow. Um, so let's now get, I want to hear more about your book. Um, and yeah, I was so like, I kind of like blanked out cause I got so excited about like the subtitle <laughs> that like, yeah, what inspired you? I, know, I love the what, subtitle, yeah. inspiring compassion for the human condition. I know. Can you say it one more time since I was just talking over you? Inspiring compassion for the human condition. And so what, um, inspired you to write that book and to make that be that powerful subtitle? You know, it's never gone past me since I grew up in that crazy Jewish shtetl, that little community I grew up, especially in my house, that people were so, I and my family are and were so confused and sad and scared and all this trauma. And I just felt like I could create some comfort with the understanding from that high angle I got at the dentist office where it's okay. It's not what it seems. Don't be stuck in this model. And I gave that gift through my writing of the book. There's no astrology in the missing element. It's just pure, it's, it's pure psychology. It's, it's simply, uh, there's a test on page 46 where you learn what is your missing element. And then you read that chapter and you go, oh, no wonder I stopped collecting all my green stuff. I stopped doing my insurance and my taxes and my receipts. I have no earth in my chart. I hate doing this shit. Or, or no wonder I can't cry. I've, I've shut down my water element completely. I don't even know how to feel anymore. So it teaches you what the missing element is. You go into that chapter and there's directions how to cultivate it. And it was all your question is what inspired me is the, the amount of pain that my family lived in was so excruciating. And what I, that all I wanted to do is figure out how to create comfort. How can I help you? What can I do to make this thing easier? And then because of the Debbie Deep, then it was like, and how can I get more and more enlightened? Like, what would it be like if I could find peace, for example? What would it feel like if I, like I couldn't even, so, so it came from a collective pain that was in my family that I couldn't get off me for a long time. And then it went all the way to me. Like, I do want to grow and evolve and continue the evolution of my soul that's all I want to do. And it serves us as a collective because my first intention was to take care of my family. I did that first. And the pain that you're referring to in your family, was that pain like internal pain or pain that was being caused externally or both? You know, is it like emotional pain from the outside world or like, cause I'm very, you know, like with my book, it's a lot about the internal pain we cause for ourselves and making it harder for ourselves. Were you talking about like when you're talking? This was more family. This was more trauma, like just in my own family. And this is part of the Jewish lineage that there was a lot of violation and abuse and trauma. And I, it wasn't personal at the point. I mean, obviously I was born into it. I had a happy spirit, but I could not not notice 
that everyone was getting taken out. And it was less about me personally. It was more about my family. I really had a desire to help. And, and yeah, from the continue. Jewish, from that experience. Oi, 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 are you kidding? You, oi, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. Every day, oi. And then he did this and I don't know, I don't feel so good. I was like, this has got to stop. Like, I am not going to grow. And my kids are not going to be doing oi. Okay, let's just figure out what do I need to adjust? What part of my character using the four elements can I increase or lower so I can start experiencing a really joyful? I'm the president of the Joys for Jews Club, but there's not many of us in it. Is that a real thing? I made it up. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, And so now... You run this, how often, how many times a year do you run the school since you're running it live? We have, we have two times a year. There's 30 mentors. We can take up to 600 students at a time. That's what we've been doing. And each student class has only 10 people. You study with 10 women, 10 people, and you really get to know them. And it becomes very intimate because you get to know their chart. It's not, it's, a, it's like this, it's a very deep conversation. And um, it happens twice a year. And it's really the bread and butter of what my function is this life was to bring in as many people as I could to turn them on to the observer, look up. And then I have another really cool class called Tell Me a Story. You would love this. It's tmas.co, tellmeastory.co, um, T-M-A-S. And it's a writing class that I'm so, and I'm writing a new book about it. And it's about giving people prompts based on the elements again, to clear out their unconscious by writing and sharing it with another person and being part of a group. So I've created these 10 people again in a small room in Zoom writing. And it is, you can't believe the juicy, like the last one, the last tell. this happens every time. The last tell me a story finished. And one of the women said, um, it's a four part class, like an hour and a half. So there's like really six hours altogether. Um, no for one and a half hours. Yes. And at the end of it, she said, ready for this? I've decided after eight years of living with this man that I would marry him. He's been asking me, but I always thought that I was a sovereign woman and I never wanted to be married until this class where I realized I was just telling myself a story. I'd love to marry Wow. Him. And they're getting married. And that's the kind of stuff that happens in the class. Like you're, you're telling yourself a story. You don't even realize it until you take this class and you get prompted. You identify what the unconscious material is that you're repeating that you can't stop thinking about and then we rewrite very it. cool uh it's so much fun and you still do readings too you do, I not. do not i've stopped doing readings and i've stopped doing therapy but i've got many certified astrologers i've trained that do i do not got do it got it and so what you know since going back to that burnout story what have been <laughs> like yeah, I can tell you're so energetic and passionate about what you're doing. You're creating these things and wanting to like get the word out there and stuff like that. So what from like that experience, like what do you do to make sure you are like keep That's keeping yourself question. like not necessarily in balance, but yeah, like somewhat like so that you don't. Oh, no, no. That was the right word. Imbalance. So every day I exercise, every day I meditate every day. It doesn't have to be in any particular order or said the air sign to the air sign. I hate being stuck in a box, but, and every day I create, I either do yoga, I swim, I bike, because at this age, if I don't keep the vitality through my body and I do it with delight. So I ride an electric bike. So it's super easy. So I do yoga in a hot room that makes me soft. I ride, I swim in an ocean where I'm like, it's perfect temperature. I've made my life from six to noon every day I work. And from noon on, I am free to go have fun. And if I don't do it, 
I'm not playing. If I have to ever get overwhelmed again or ever, I'm not going to be doing this life without delight. So that's awesome. So if you split your day and sort of like, these are my work hours, which is normal, but you made yours even like more accommodating to you and what works for you. When you live in Hawaii, yes, you can start at six in the morning. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to ask you the questions I ask everybody. The first one is what are your go-tos to up your joy levels? Smells. I have the best incense. Oh, I, I have not heard that one. Oh my yet. God. I, I have that. constantly used. I smell so good. I, I use scents. I use a lot of those yummy oils from doTERRA and from young and living. And I'm constantly dowsing myself with incense and candles. Um, I am a, that sounds so funny. I'm in love with the air. So I have windows open, bike rides, constantly convertible. I, I live for the wind. So that keeps me, oh, I'm having so much fun. And a very consistent diet of my best friends and kids that I can't wait to talk to. That as soon as I hear their voice, I'm like, oh, it's you. And that just makes my life so juicy. Love that. Okay, I ask everybody to apply this phrase to their to themselves. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. So maybe like a habit or way of being. What is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. And it doesn't mean it's harder. It's just what is easiest for me. What is best? What's for me. easiest What's easiest for me is to just work and stay the course. And what's best for me is to be able to learn to say, no, I'm not there yet. But, you know, I just can't stop. I just keep saying yes. <laughs> well, you're someone of learned. You've created your schedule in yeah, a way. I have a timeline, yeah. but, th- but it's very hard for me to not get super excited. <laughs> I get that. Okay. The last question is the name of the podcast is claim it because I feel so often people are putting like how they want to feel outside themselves. Like, Oh, I'll feel enough once I reach this goal or this weight or have, you know, this relationship or I'll feel successful or fulfilled once I do this. But so often we put it outside of ourselves, you know, we don't only get a glimmer of feeling it and then you just keep pushing that goalpost. And so I feel like we can intentionally claim those things at any moment of the day, not that saying that it's easy and you might have to do it every moment of the day, but what are you claiming for yourself right now? I definitely claim joy. Like it is a, I make every single day delicious. Like whether it's dinner that I can look forward to and I know what I'm eating or whether it's seeing my kids because I know they're coming over for lunch or whether it's doing a podcast. I, I I absolutely claim joy. I will not ever let it diminish. If I have, you know, even in the weirdest of circumstances during COVID, I was on my bike every single day. I love that. Joy is so vital. And it can be in such like little small things that can really, again, like I think we dismiss small things, but small things have the power to be really big things. I changed my oi to joy. I changed my oi to joy. <laughs> Is that what you say in your joy for juice? That's what I, that's what <laughs> I told myself. We're not doing oi anymore. I love it. Thank you so much, Deborah. It was a true delight to talk to you. Is there anything last thing so- that you want to say before I end the recording? just that I can really see in your chart, the um, open-mindedness you have and the ability you have to bring people out of themselves. I rarely, I I don't think I've ever, you got kind of a few little secrets out. So good job. (laughs) I love hearing that. (laughs) Thank you. Just the truth. I just speak truth. That's what I tell everybody. I hope you all enjoyed listening to that podcast as much as I had recording it. Seriously, just loved her energy. Um, for full show notes, you go to yourdryologist.com backslash podcast and you'll find all the episodes there. 
Deborah is giving away a gift. There's you can download the Elemental Compatibility Guidebook and see if uh, your love is written in the stars. So you can find the link for that in the show notes. For all things me, yourdwelljust.com. I'm at underscore Trisha Huffman is my main account at Claim It Podcast and at yourdwelljust is more for the product line and the app. All right. Um, for the final thought of the day. Oh, and also Deborah is Deborah Silverman, astrology.com. <laughs> final thought of the day. What are you claiming for yourself right now in this moment? Think about it. Say it. Claim it.